Phoenix Suns took a step backward on Sunday night, losing at home to the Memphis Grizzlies. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we break down the stretch that really tells the story of the game beyond the fourth quarter collapse and why teams just don't seem to respect the Suns as an opponent. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Monday. We are free and available everywhere, so if you have not already, hit follow or subscribe. Get a new show in your feed each and every Monday through Friday. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to the Phoenix Suns right along with me. All season long. Today's show brought to you by Game Time, the best place to buy any ticket. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. We have a lot to get to today. The Suns Grizzlies game was just too big for me to not do a show on. Appreciate your patience being a little later with the episode than normal. Celebrated my little sister's 18th birthday. So happy birthday, a little belatedly to Claire. We went out to dinner and all that during the game. I was able to catch the end of it and then rewatch the whole thing Monday and now have my thoughts in order for all of you. Obviously, a loss. Final score, 121-115 to 115 at home. Kevin Durant returns. The big three get another game together. And yet, with no John Morant on the other side, the Suns still lose. So, the fourth quarter collapse is going to get a lot of attention. And rightly so. The Grizzlies nearly doubled Phoenix up in that quarter. And we've seen that, that movie a million times this season. But rather than go on another rant about that and and bore you all, what I think makes the most sense is to tell you the stretch I actually think decided this game, and it was not in the fourth quarter. It was during the third quarter, and while the Suns would end up with about 30 seconds to go, going up 13 in the third quarter, which was their biggest lead of the game, and set them up for the collapse that they went through in the fourth. The third quarter, I think, takes me to the takeaway that I have from this game, which I will get to in the next segment. But it is just so... It's it's a perfect example of how even with the Suns' advantages sort of going their way, they still are not able to get the job done, all right? At the 8 minute and 50 second mark of the third, Jaron Jackson picks up his fourth foul. Happens with him a lot, right? Foul trouble. And he goes to the bench. The Suns are up five points at that point. After uh, a few minutes... 
minute and a half or so, about seven minutes left to go in the game, in the third, Memphis calls a timeout. Or Phoenix. I can't, there is a timeout. At that moment, the score is 80 to 73. What followed over the next two and a half minutes was a 10 to 3 Grizzlies run in which all three of the Suns' big three are on the court. And only Desmond Bain is on the court of between, obviously, the two stars. But really, if you want to say three and just remind yourself once again that John Morant was not playing in this game and that the Grizzlies had to bench their starting center in this one because it just wasn't working. They bailed on Xavier Tillman early. He only played three minutes. That's that's the level of adjustment that Memphis was already at. And the lineup they had out there was Bain, Smart, Kennard, Vince Williams, and Bismack Biombo. One of the only units you could put together on a competitive team in the West that is as small as the Suns' best lineups tend to be. And in this case, the Suns' best lineups were not small because Durant was actually playing. So... Two minutes and 30 seconds, 10 to 3 run, and the score ends up tied at 83. And within this stretch, you saw Marcus Smart be assertive, driving downhill. I believe that his own, he made a shot in this stretch, as did he also generated a Desmond Bain three on the wing. Both were the result of drive-and-kick opportunities from Smart, or driving opportunities from him just getting downhill, trying to make something happen. I believe in this stretch, you had a handful of missed shots by the Suns' best players, where you live with it, sure, but... You don't see the same level of assertiveness to get downhill that Memphis had. Overall, if you look at the run from the minute Jaron went down, it is a 16 to 11 run. But again, within that, a 10 to 3 run. And within that, an 8 0 run was in here as well. Those are just not moments that should ever happen when the Suns have all three of their stars on the court and really any opponent is out there. You should not be in a situation where foul trouble, injuries, all mounting against that opponent and somehow you're the team falling behind. And again, it didn't end up becoming a Grizzlies lead because the Suns got their act together by the end of this quarter, but only barely because as soon as the fourth quarter started, Memphis picked up right where it left off. The final thing we saw in this stretch that I think is the moment of the game is within the aggressiveness from Smart, 
within the transition three that Luke Kennard hit here, you saw a level of not only a lack of fear toward the Suns that Memphis demonstrated, but frankly, a lack of respect for the Suns. I'll tell you what I mean by that next and how we saw it play out as the Suns did cough up this lead. But first, today's show brought to you by Game Time. I think we can all speak, if we live in Arizona, live in Phoenix, near a big city trying to get tickets, that the experience can be quite frustrating on many of the platforms that you may use. But you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event, and that's why Game Time is here to help. What I love, the two things that I love the most about Game Time, that I truly that truly makes me call it the best place to buy any ticket. View from your seat within the app. So you know what your vantage point is going to be from where you are purchasing your where you will be sitting with the ticket you purchase immediately on the front end. And the other part is Game Time has a lot of financial protections for you. They have a lowest price guarantee. They have an event cancellation protection, as well as something like job loss protection that really nobody else is doing. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money. Deals right up to the start of the event. Exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on all sorts of sports, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Zone deals where you pick the section and Game Time picks your seat if you're not too picky. And they give you extra savings on those offers. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets somewhere else in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Say our bad, get you the right, get you money to make it right and send you on your way. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on for $20 off your purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on for $20 off. That's L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, let's keep it rolling here. The Phoenix Suns lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. I told you why the third quarter to me is particularly frustrating and maybe even more indicative of what's the problem here than the fourth quarter was, even though the fourth quarter is exhausting. We've seen, you know, the bad transition defense, the turnovers. I happen to think those things are effort. And so maybe if you wonder why I don't harp on them enough or it doesn't feel like I'm maybe noticing, I'm noticing. But there's only so much groveling we can all do toward professional athletes, veterans, most of them, to put in the requisite amount of effort to not make boneheaded decisions to execute and everything else. And there's plenty of that to go around. I've done it before. I'll do it again. But in some cases, the problems are different and maybe more concerning even than that. I talked in the last segment about respect and fear. Teams certainly aren't afraid of the Suns right now. They're 19 and 17. They're 500 at home. They're actually playing a team who has a similarly strange home road split situation. Somehow the Memphis Grizzlies are 10 and 10 away on the road and 
three and 13 at home. So I guess some fan bases have it even worse than Phoenix in the NBA this season. And Memphis is one, but they're not afraid and they shouldn't be. What they also are not that is more serious is they don't really respect the Suns. And what I mean by that is a few things. This, if you feel like the Suns get road team calls at Footprint Center, I think you're absolutely right. The Suns get the wrong end of a lot of calls against non-star players in their home building the past couple of seasons, not just this year, than I can remember. And that is not me being a homer, complaining about the refs, whatever. That is me criticizing the team because that is earned. And teams, opponents that come into Footprint Center feel emboldened to play physically, to be the initiators of contact, be the tone setters of the game because they don't seem to think that the Suns are going to push back or fight back or do much of anything to change the tide of the game. And so the game is, from a physicality and intensity standpoint, that is determined by the opponent most nights, even when the Suns are at home. That is way, one way we see the respect not be there. Teams also, this season, more of, a, more of a this year thing, are not afraid to run, even if it might feel a little out of control at times, and look for transition opportunities every chance they get because they don't respect the Suns' ability to do anything about it. What I would also say is you just don't see, right? Like, l let me give an example from the other vantage point first before I talk about the opponents. Suns fans, any of you who watch these games, you know, like if Ja had played last night, perfect example, that the Suns are going to most likely want to counter that with Josh Okogie playing more right? You could come up with any number of examples. There have been times when the Suns have played, you know, uh, extra big lineups to counter those types of teams and whatever. Every team does that, of course. I'm not saying they don't, but last night, Memphis, they didn't really care much who was on the court for the Suns, you know? Like I just mentioned, this lineup that made the third quarter run had smart. Okay, that's a defender. But other than that, Bain, Kennard, Vince Williams, Bismack Biombo. Who's guarding Kevin Durant in that grouping, right? Who is... You only have one great point of attack defender. You have Booker and Beal on the other side. Grizzly said, all right. We like those odds. Give it to us. 
and it worked. The sons don't demand that you adjust to them. And right now, they can, they should. There's clear pathways to exerting what makes them a special roster on a night-to-night basis and making teams adjust, but that's not happening right now. And so teams don't have to respect that, and they don't have to respect the team. They can play their game, bring an intensity and physicality that they don't have any reason to believe will be matched by the Suns, and get calls, play as fast as they want, really just not face any resistance to anything. And things are most likely going to work out for them doing that. And we saw that again last night. I think that the last part of how this game illustrated my point about how teams are not respecting the Suns, which is, you know, it's a pretty big claim. I don't mean that on an individual level. I don't mean that people walk into Footprint Center or any road game that the Suns are playing in and specifically to Booker or Beal or Durant or Vogel or anybody person to person not respect them as competitors but as a team as a group as a culture as an organization I don't think it's there and Vince Williams is a great example of of why as well Vince Williams is the guy who filled in admirably during John Morant's absence has now been moved back to the bench, even in last night's game when Ja didn't play, but ended up playing 37 minutes. Tom Leander on the broadcast called him the surprise of the night or something like that on on the broadcast, and I don't agree. Vince Williams, is he's been doing this. You know, he's not the biggest name, but if you watch Memphis at all, if even if you watched Memphis in the couple of nationally televised games when Ja first came back, He's a guy who absolutely plays with the level of hustle, always seems to, you know, just get involved defensively, offensively, loose balls, whatever, plays bigger than he is, made three of his four threes and had four offensive rebounds against the Suns, two blocks. The Suns have nobody like that. You could make the case Josh Okogie is that, and he is to a degree, but he's not playable enough on the offensive end to consistently make that type of impact. It's hit or miss with him. Is his three-point shot going in? Is his confidence there? If the answer to either one of those questions is no, then you just turn the page because you know it's not going to be an Akogi night. And of course, I'm sure Vince Williams has games like that too. I'm not trying to make him into an all-star just to prove my point. But when we're talking about respect, can talk about the stars, can talk about the fouls and the pace and the rotation and lineups and and matchups and all the things I've mentioned already and those are there, but is there any Suns role player outside of Grayson Allen who you think teams are respecting right now? even Yusuf Nurkic, and he had a solid enough game. I thought they used him as a as a post-passer and 
high post passer in a really nice way in this game. <clears throat> he helped get Jaron in foul trouble. He had six offensive rebounds. Is anybody scared of Yusuf Nurkic? Respecting of Yusuf Nurkic? Worrying about Yusuf Nurkic? No, I don't think so. Metu, Eubanks, Bates Diop, Lee, all the guys who played in this game. Maybe Eric Gordon. You know, he didn't play, so I guess it's an easy thing to say now. I would, okay, Eric Gordon, you got to guard him. So are we up to five guys? There's no Vince Williams on this roster. There hasn't been in James Jones' entire tenure. Those guys are free to be claimed and grabbed and developed every year across the whole league by anybody. Vince Williams was, I believe, either a second-round pick or undrafted, came into the season as a, sec- as a two-way player. Look what he did. Look what he's continued to do. That's not some built-in advantage that the Memphis Grizzlies had. It's not a number one overall pick that they got because they sucked the previous season. It's a guy that they went out, scouted, signed, developed, put in a position to succeed, and got the fruits of that effort and his work ethic, clearly. Suns don't have anybody like that. There's nobody on this Suns team that comes off the bench or plays a smaller role that might not be on the scouting report, but everybody on the court is aware. Watch out. There's no watch out guy on the Suns. And until those things change, we can talk about scheme and all the rest, all that we want. Um, that That's not, you don't say that about championship teams. Let's get to the box score oddity of the night focused on Jaron Jackson and his impact on a few aspects of what the Suns were able to do on the offensive end. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here's the deal. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks straight to your account in bonus bets, win or lose. You don't even have to nail your bet in order to get the bonus dollars into your account. I'm looking at Tuesday night's NBA odds. The Los Angeles Clippers are six and a half point favorites at home against the Suns on, sorry, this is Monday night, on the second night of a back-to-back for Phoenix. What I like there, though, if you're listening to this before tip-off of that game, is the over-under of total points at 230. I think that that is a nice one, but of course, there's plenty all across FanDuel. Live game, same game parlays, creative bets in the Explore tab that you might not otherwise have seen, as well as the Parlay Hub, where users can share their parlays and what's popular around the app worldwide. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and the NBA. All righty, we are closing it out. And let's get to, um, let's start a little bit less negative, which is the free throw attempts and the impact that Jaron Jackson Jr. had on the game, despite having five fouls and despite our impression of him as somebody who doesn't do well playing center. He certainly did in this game, played well. And while, yes, okay, he had five fouls, he only had one block, you can tell that the Suns were worried about him 
conscious of his whereabouts on the court by how they attempted. I would say, I'm going to double check myself, look at the shot chart here, but it felt like a lot more floaters than layups, you know? And they did have 62 points in the paint. It can be a little hard on these shot charts even to look at specific individual attempts, but I see like six misses at the basket. I can get the at the rim numbers actually here as I talk. But more than that, the Suns only got to the line 22 times. And to me, it might sound counterintuitive, but a handful of of Jaron's fouls were not on were non-shooting. And even if maybe let's say all of them were shooting, I don't think they were. Let's say they were. It doesn't really matter when that's still only five. The point is, by the Suns kind of hesitating to go all the way to the basket, they drew less contact. They gave themselves fewer opportunities to make the refs call something. And as a result, they got to the line less. So you had a, a game in which Desmond Bain, all six foot four of them, got to the line the same amount as any of the Suns' most heavy free throw shooters tonight. Jaron Jackson got to the line as often as Bradley Beal did. Marcus Smart got to the line as often as Devin Booker did. Kevin Durant only attempted one free throw. Nurkic, three free throws. Even Okogi, who in the previous game against Miami did a pretty good job of getting to the line, only two in 14 minutes. I have the their at-rim numbers, and I was correct. The Suns were very solid on floaters, where they shot 12 of 23, but on shots at the rim... They were only 22 of 41, which would put them around the 10th percentile of all NBA games this year. Very, very bad. They were fouled four times at the rim. But honestly, I'll take that as a W for what I'm saying. Because when they got there, they got fouled more often than Memphis, but they didn't get there enough. And they didn't convert them when they did, right? So that to me is a problem. And even if you want to extend it past Jaron, when Bismack Biombo's in there, test him. Make him foul you. Maybe he'll get a couple blocks on you, but I'd rather try it than not, you know? Just felt like a game where they could have done more of that, and I think the free throw discrepancy where the Suns walk into most games with an advantage there against a John Morantless Grizzlies team, they were out free throwed. That that shouldn't be happening. The other thing that shouldn't be happening is the three-pointers, right? And... We could talk about this all day, but the bottom line is it is a tightrope walk for the Suns' offense. Without a true, true, true point guard and with three stars all trying to get comfortable and with the message clearly being that everybody has a green light, you're going to run into some nights where the shot distribution may be a little funky, you can try to poke holes in things. You can try to be revisionist history about it and take issue with this or that. And that's easy to do, especially after a loss. 
So while I do try to avoid doing that, the reason it is such a tightrope walk is there has to be a point at which the best players say, F that, let me get mine. And that also has to be done in an efficient way without rubbing anybody the wrong way, stepping on anybody's toes, finding a balance, finding a happy, literally happy, joyful, medium, middle ground where everybody is involved and feels committed, but where you do not have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal taking one three-pointer each. Now, Durant still took 23 shots. A lot of those were sort of when the game was starting to get out of hand, so I think he definitely could have and should have become involved earlier on. He... I wrote it down here. I feel like the first set in which Durant initiated in the fourth quarter when the game was starting to slip away was at the 7 minute and 30 second mark after the Suns were already down two. So they went into the quarter up a bunch. They were already down two by the time Durant finally initiated something. So these are all part of the problem. The offense clicked for large segments of this game, especially the first half and even the end of the second, the end of the third quarter, all of the Sun Stars had five plus assists, and even Nurkic did. Good, all good signs. But when at the end of the day, Durant and Beal both shoot below fifty percent from the field, only get to the line a combined five times, and only attempt a three pointer each. That's just not going to be what you want to make this trio the best that they can possibly be consistently. So easy for me to sit here and look at the box score afterward and point to all the things that could have and should have and would have, but at the same time, that that whole distribution and shot diet in this game, that that can't be a pattern. So I don't think it will be, but it's part of why they lost. Last but not least, young forward breakout watch, and I'll make it quick. Chemezi Metu, this game is why he doesn't play a bigger role consistently. Okay? This this game. This game is why he, you know, there's a world in which Chemezi Metu sticks with his starting spot, even with how hot Grayson Allen has been from deep and Durant returning and everything else. There is a world where that happens, where Durant theoretically plays, you know, the three, Metu is out there as a two-way, big, athletic role player. Not hard to imagine at all. They need what he brings, but he doesn't bring it every night. And, you know, Eddie Johnson pointed it out on the broadcast. His jumper form wasn't consistent in this game. He consistently makes defensive mistakes. He seems to be in his head a little bit on offense. His best games come when he scores, when he's involved on offense. He's going to have plenty of games where he, you know, plays the passing lanes. He's going to be good for one of those every night, a breakaway dunk, because he has the IQ to read those plays and the athleticism to finish him off. But this type of game is why it's not all the time, why he's not playing 20 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night, why he's at this point in his career, frankly, not to get too ahead of myself and be you know, overly harsh, but they desperately need what he brings. They're begging for him to give it to them on a nightly basis. 
and he has not done that. Let's hope that changes. Sincerely, truly hope that changes. Because if Metu, if you're getting the version of Metu we saw when he scored a million points a few weeks back, or when he's really, really on it defensively, or even as a passer, he can have some great moments. If all those things consistently come, this team's a lot better. They need that. So I hope it happens. But that'll wrap us up for the day. The Clippers game's on Monday night. Check back here for a recap of that game with Brandon Duenas. We will be back late, late, late after that buzzer. And I will talk to you guys all then.